Gracious God, as we drive ourselves further and further away from you, we pray that you might send your spirit upon this word that draws us back in. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, over the next few weeks, I'll be, we'll be taking a brief walk through one of my favorite books in the Bible, a book that many people know, even if they haven't read it. If you've seen Pinocchio, you probably know something about Jonah. The book of Jonah, it's from the Old Testament, one of the 12 shorter prophets and one of the shorter, shortest, shorter books in the Bible, but for such a small book, it packs a pretty big punch. Jonah is a prophet, a holy messenger, someone who has been given divine perspective. A perspective that needs to be shared. But there's something that makes Jonah stick out. Normally, books and stories about prophets are all about the messages that they've been sent to deliver. 37 verses of poetry from God to Israel. Stories of their lives are interspersed with these poems, but they are secondary. They get beat up, kicked out, arrested for the content of the message. But with Jonah, this story is all about his life. It focuses on his actions, especially his actions in response to God, God's summons, God's mission, God's directions for him. It's all about Jonah's response to God, all about his response to God. But right from the get-go, Jonah's off on the wrong foot, and he's headed in the wrong direction. The word of the Lord, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out, for their wickedness has forced itself upon me. But it says... But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. First sentence, God gives the orders to Jonah to head to the city of Nineveh and speak truth to power, to point out their injustice and their violence. But in the second sentence, Jonah's already on the run. He heads down to the city. He books passage out of town. Away, it says, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah chooses Tarshish over Nineveh. In the Bible, a lot of prophets, they resist at first, sure. Moses doesn't think he's up to it. Jeremiah thinks he's too young. I'm but a boy, he says. But usually after God offers a good argument or God's own presence, usually they relent and not so with Jonah. No negotiation. No contemplation, well, let me think about this for a minute. No consideration, even, of God's directions. With Jonah, it's instant escape. He flees, which kind of makes sense, because in Hebrew, Jonah's name means dove. He's flighty, like a dove. So flighty takes off. As fast as he receives his marching orders, flighty flies away. Jonah blows his assignment in the first paragraph of this story. It's kind of like the Bible. I mean, 
that kind of blew the whole thing in the first couple books, or the first couple chapters. So he blows his assignment in the first paragraph. But you can't really blame him, can you? Because God tells him to go to Nineveh after all. Nineveh, which is the capital of the Assyrian Empire, the world's greatest superpower. They were the ones who came in and captured the city of Jerusalem the first time. Jonah's people were brutalized by them, some taken into exile. They're known for their over-the-top violence in service of conquest and control. And so here God says to Jonah, come on, just head right into the heart of their empire and just like openly criticize them. It's like saying, hey, head into the angels, Hell's Angels Clubhouse. Give them a piece of your mind. Tell them what they're doing is illegal. Or it's like saying in 1939, head straight to Berlin and call out Hitler in the middle of a rally. Or hey, head to ISIS headquarters and offer a modest disputation of their interpretation of the Quran. It's not an easy assignment at all. It's a scary one, in fact. So you can kind of sympathize with Jonah at least a little bit. I mean, I get it. I get why Jonah does this. But things get a little more complicated when we look at the destination on Jonah's ticket, because he's not just escaping going to Nineveh. He's got a one-way ticket to Tarshish. Tarshish. I mean, it rhymes with hashish for a good reason. You see, Tarshish isn't just a place to go and hide. Tarshish is this mystical, mythical place. People think it was somewhere near Gibraltar, on the southern tip of Spain, so opposite side of the Mediterranean. And it had this reputation as this kind of ancient resort, spa, amusement park. All in once, it's utopia. It's Xanadu, or Mar-a-Lago. Is that how you say that other place? Mar-a-Lago? So Jonah's not only running away from God's orders, running away from what looks like a suicide mission, which is a perfectly normal response, but he's set sail to the lap of luxury. His bags are packed for Shangri-La. So Jonah's caught between these two cities. He's caught between Tarshish and Nineveh, between Tarshish, the comfortable, safe space that is far away from the world's struggles and worries, and Nineveh, the unsafe, uncomfortable place, the place right in the thick of things, the place he is summoned by God's own word, which one would you choose? I know which one I would choose. In fact, I know which one I do choose, often. Which direction I'm most inclined go, because truth be told, our own lives are lived between these two cities as well, whether we know it or not. Because our natural instinct, maybe even evolutionary instinct, is to try to get ahead, to try to survive, to protect ourselves, to look out for our own well-being, the good of our families, the cohesion of our group our country, to find comfort, 
and to avoid stress. And this survival instinct, well, it helps us survive, it keeps us alive. But maybe that's all it does. Maybe that's all we can sort of hope from that survival instinct. Is it enough is the question. Is that kind of life enough? When so many are sick and suffering around the world, even in our own neighborhood, is it enough that we are comfortable? We have more than enough and our families are doing okay. Is that enough? Or maybe it's time to stand up to someone or stand up for someone and we choose to keep our head down because doing so would be too risky. Think of your career. What would your family think? Or rather than making amends, seeking forgiveness for the things we've done, because that's harder than avoiding it altogether, it can be an excuse for our own cowardice. It can keep us from making the harder choices that draw us away from ourselves and towards the lives that God wants from us, that God has promised to us. If given the choice, we choose comfort. We choose a freshly paved road. We ride the current. Jonah says that it's not only our preferred place to be. And choosing the easy place over the hard place God sends him to, it says that Jonah actually flees God. He flees the very presence of the Lord. When we live our lives trying to insulate ourselves from the trouble, from our own pain, and the pain and suffering of our world, it's not only going against God's desires for our lives. In doing so, the scriptures actually say we're running away from experiencing the presence of God, from experiencing the joy, the full, eternal life in communion with the Creator. Maybe Trinity Sunday is a good day to think about that. That's my Trinity impression there, sorry. Trinity. People were like, is a plane going to be landing? No, it's a Trinity. Christ is landing in our midst. Anyway. <laughs> so this may be our inclination. It may be our default to choose the easy and comfortable path over the difficult and faithful, but we have been given another way, Paul says, let me show you a more excellent way. And this way, for the people of Jesus, we call this the way of the cross. We believe that fullness of life, life with God, is found not only in the sunsets and baby laughs, but we believe that God is found in the ugly place, what looks like the God-forsaken place. That God is most present in the place of suffering and pain. And that we'll only discover God, we'll only find that life we hunger for in joining him there when we learn to die to our own comfort. Die to our own coldness selfishness, only when we pick up the cross and follow will we discover new life.
You see that when Jonah thinks he's safely on his way to life of leisure, but then the storm hits, tosses his boat on the sea, the crew is terrified, he says, throw me overboard. It sounds very sacrificial and good, but he's basically rather die than go to Nineveh. I would rather die than head towards the cross. Regardless, Jonah sinks to the deep, and suddenly he's swallowed by the great fish. I'd hate to spoil the ending, so spoiler alert. But the fish spits Jonah back up on Nineveh. It takes a lot, but Jonah, God gets Jonah to the destination. No matter where Jonah goes, God is constantly pulling him out of himself and back into the world. So even though we may run and hide from the hard places in our lives, the truth is that no matter how far we run from God, God never gives up on pursuing us. This is actually the meaning of the cross, or one of several complementary meanings of the cross. That God never gives us on turning up, on turning us around and pulling us out of ourselves towards God's presence. It's never too late to turn the boat around. No matter where Jonah goes, no matter what Jonah does, God is always coaxing him from Tarshish back to Nineveh and back into the difficult places, which is where God is. So I wonder, where's the difficult place in your life that you've been most avoiding? Where have you been resisting God's summons to enter into? Is it a pain inside that you're hiding, that you're not dealing with? Is it a pain you've inflicted and are terrified of facing consequences for it? Is it a broken relationship with a friend, neighbor, spouse, or child that you're just too proud to face? Do you spend your life insulated from those who are sick, those who are suffering, those who are down and out, the people Jesus spent most of his time with? Wherever your hard place is, this is where God is calling you to be right now. Even though we're caught between two cities, even though you'd rather be in Tarshish, and maybe a few weeks in Tarshish, here and there, ain't so bad. It's never too late to head toward Nineveh. It's never too late to embrace the cross. It's never too late to turn your boat around. It's hard, but it's there you'll find the Lord. The presence of God. So, brothers and sisters... The good life, a life worth living, what Jesus called fullness of life, abundant life, life as it was meant to be, this is not found in Tarshish. It's not found in pursuing our own desires and comfort above all else. It's not found in insulating ourselves from the world's pain and suffering. No, it's found on the way 
to Nineveh, it's found on the way to Calvary towards the cross. The good life, true joy, true meaning, the destiny of your life can be found only in that place outside your comfort zone. Your deep gladness resides in being carried by winds of God through the rough seas en route to confronting the places of your own darkness and entering into the world's suffering. Our lives are lived between these two cities and the lure of Tarshish is great, but the life we hunger for, we yearn for, isn't found there. It's found in Nineveh. This life is not always an easy one. It's not always a comfortable path. The place God calls us to, sends us to, is not the destination we would choose if given the choice. But that's where we'll find the presence of the Lord. It's the only place where we'll find freedom, the only place where we'll find life. The only kind of life worth living. And for this, thanks be to God. Amen.